Hi there, this is Gary Rogowski for Splinters. Thank you for joining me. Why do we do this work? During the final days of my move out from the studio, it felt a little bit more like a siege than a relocation. Uh, remember that scene in the Coen Brothers movie, Barton Fink, about this poor writer's dilemma? Oh, he was suffering. The walls of this guy's Los Angeles hotel started on fire. And it clearly hit me as a metaphor for the stress that he felt on so many levels. Man, it's hot in here. Deconstructing the studio to get it all out felt a little bit more like that apartment than a controlled transport of goods and items to a new future. Whole sections of the bench and machine rooms were roiled about by interested observers, collectors, friends, people just walking by on the street. And the mounds within it changed shape almost every day. One guy, he came in, tore apart box after box. You selling this? How much for this? You selling this? How much for this? He, he tore up the room. He bought some stuff, but he left a definite impression, leaving behind piles of debris and memories, discarded ideas. Didn't matter to him. I had hoped to avoid this type of bargain hunter. One guild member walked around looking at the hand tools so knowingly, only to nod at all my things and walk away muttering. Ah, yes, another delight. This so-called siege of mine found many folks, though, who came by to find a treasure, a tool, a memento, perhaps, of days past. They rummaged around in boxes of my packed-up life. Some came to look quietly about and leave, only to come again with purpose. Other students came by simply to talk and share a reminiscence, or they bought something just to help me move one less thing out the door. It felt like a dream where all my luggage was stacked high on the pier and I could only get on the boat by walking on a narrow plank with a small suitcase clutched in each hand. Is it warm in here or is it just my bad knees acting up? I'm feeling the heat. Strangers came to thank me for being open all these years or they wished out loud they had taken a class. <sighs> then they sometimes revealed a nugget about themselves, a story of meaning or purpose that they needed to place behind there in the building like they had to light a candle. Only instead of a candle, it was a hope, a dream, a desire they left with me. They would buy a meaningless item just to say they had something. And when the 12-foot-long blackboard was taken down off the brick wall and loaded, it was carted away on the back of a truck. This symbolized the end to me more completely than anything else. It marked the end of a time and more than selling off the benches that I had made or giving away tools or wood just to lessen the pile this act of taking down the blackboard said, it's over. This too has changed. And what of it? J.J. had to point out to me that I had touched a lot of folks' lives. I conceded that. They had touched me more. But my urge, my insistent drive to create something, a legacy for myself or for this craft, it too would be forgotten, she mused. I had to concede that point as well. I understood this because I know that our time here, amongst the billions of others on this planet, is too small a moment to warrant anything but a quick smile of thanks, a nod of remembrance, a sigh every now and then from those we met along the way. But my response remains the same to this judgment. I did this work at the studio. I continue to do this work now because it keeps me alive and invigorated and alert. This purpose of mine to teach others and nourish myself by doing so is a neat trick that I pull on an unsuspecting public. 
It keeps me at the bench and I get to go to a wood shop every day. And that gives me purpose. The idea that got me up through those years remains the same for me now, to keep my curiosity about life alive. And even if I do not have the requisite skills to teach myself how to master some new facet of this field, it is the very fact that I try that matters, even when I fail, perhaps because I fail. The discovery of a new technique or bettering one that I thought was tuned already is a treat amidst the noise of the world. This idea of purpose in a fleeting life sustains a person trying to find meaning. This is found from within. And it doesn't have to be woodworking or art history or fashion design, but it has to be something. Just so we can stare into the future and know what we're going to be doing that day. We have a goal to get better at this endeavor we have chosen. Learning. A former student came in during the maelstrom and he wanted to chat. He looked about at all the tools and what they meant to him and promised to him. In the end, he lamented his loss of purpose now that he was retired. His skills in his marketplace were no longer required. Society had said, that's it, enough. It, society had turned him out. What was the point when a lifetime of experience was no longer valued? And I have been thinking for weeks how to respond to him. How could he take on learning a new skill like woodworking? He pondered when he knew what mastery already felt like, and he didn't have the time to master woodworking. I understand the dilemma, but mastery is not just about papers, awards, distinctions. It is not a patch that you get to wear on a bright colored blazer. It is the result of effort, and no matter what one does next, that mastery, that sense of perceiving and understanding what quality is, walks with you as you take on something new and challenging. That part always stays with the master. It informs her steps. It walks by his side. The fact that you will now be learning how to play the tuba without lips is the challenge you may have taken on. Okay, it's impossible. It's an odd metaphor, but I wanted something visual. But a master knows how to break down a problem and come up with a solution. They've done it before. How to design something spectacular that solves a problem elegantly. But oh, for the struggle of it, if we can find ways to get better at it each time. This is why we do this work, to get better at it. And with this feedback loop, take on new challenges to get better at those. I can only say to this powder, you have the skills. You know what quality is. Just take those skills along with you on this new venture, where, wherever it leads. It's called living. Invest in your own skills. Invest in yourself. I haven't said this to him. I haven't seen him since he, he walked out the door, but I hope to. I hope he uh, gets back in touch. Our online mastery program is, is accepting applications for this year. I hope to gain enough students to start late November 2021. I hope that student will contact me. It is a two-year program. The mastery program does not promise that you will become a master of this work. I didn't think I could call it the pretty good woodworking program. Mastery is what we're after. But you don't have to be a master to start. The program does promise to fill you with wonder and delight at the huge room you will step into. It is far greater than one could ever imagine. A world of design and serendipity, a world of geometry and satisfying conclusions, a world of skills and techniques 
that you can practice and get better at. And there will be the learning that comes with failure, as that is always a part of gaining new skills. Design and technique are the goals of the program, but in the end, we are a school of thought. I hope to make our students think differently about their place in the world by doing this work, by being at the bench. The online mastery program is something I'm proud to say has been running for 20-some years and trained a lot of students along the way. It made a difference in many lives. And if you're interested, please go to our website, northwestwoodworking.com, click on the online mastery page and get more information there, and you can request a prospectus. I do hope we can get our, uh, our numbers by the end of November and get up and running. Um, but if we start in January, that'll be fine too. If there's one thing that the move taught me, this is, this is it. This is the conclusion that I could draw. Besides the obvious one of, boy, I've got a lot of crap. <laughs> I saved everything. All right, so I hope to learn from that. But the thing I really, I, I really learned the most was that you had to be flexible. I had to be flexible. I expected this on this date didn't happen. Now I've got to go to plan B. That didn't happen. Now I've got to go to plan C. Flexibility was the key. And that's the only way I got through it. It was, well, it was a, it was a big task. It's hard to imagine being in the middle of it. <clears throat> I'm glad I'm through it. Thanks to JJ, man. I made it through. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support on coffee.com, K-O-F-I.com. Please check out the website. Check out the online mastery page. Um, it's a fun program, and uh, you will build more work than you would believe possible. It's great fun. Thanks very much for listening. This is Gary Rogowski for Splinters. See you down the road. Mm-hmm.